Welcome to Songs and Stories, the not-for-musicians-only music podcast. Well, already then. Hey everybody, welcome once again to Songs and Stories. I'm Michael Gaither, and this is Songs and Stories, episode number 163. And just like I really say in almost every podcast, (laughs) this is my new favorite episode. Today we're going to be talking with Kevin Welch, an amazing songwriter who I've been a fan of for a long, long time. Before we get to Kevin, I wanted to do a quick recap of what I've been up to. Um, Last week, I went to the American River Music Festival in Coloma, California, the 10th annual American River Music Festival. And big thanks to Matt Simonson, who puts this together every year. Two days of music, three campgrounds full of music, and a Friday night musician showcase that I hosted for the eighth year. We've, We've been doing it for eight years, and I've hosted it every year. And it's, again, just a wonderful night of music. Uh, these years, This year's winners were the Sweet Potatoes, a quartet trio from um, L.A., Southern California, who just wowed everybody. A uh, great three-part harmony, accordion, guitar, bass, really, really nice stuff. Check out thesweetpotatoes.com. The other winner was Hannah Jane Kyle, a powerhouse guitar player, singer, songwriter, keyboard player from um, Auburn, California. They both actually got tweeners on the main stage, two song tweeners on the main stage on the weekend. And there was just a whole bunch of other people that just, it was just a wonderful, wonderful showcase. There have been, there have been years with great showcases and really great showcases. This one just, I don't know, there was something magical that night that really stood out. They were, it was really diverse. And thanks to Matt for putting it together for our judges and the audience and the performers. It was really fun. We actually left the festival early on Sunday morning to zoom back, and I got to play at uh, Columbia Jazz Center on Sunday night as part of K-Pig and Snazzy Productions' big salute to Guy Clark. I did a couple of songs and backed up a couple of people, and all the usual local players were there, Sherry Austin, Sharon Allen, Carolyn Sills, um, just a whole bunch of great people, and it was really just, I was happy and humbled and thrilled to be part of that circle of characters. So a, a very good weekend. That wasn't bad. <laughs> so, um, so on this episode of Songs and Stories, uh, I, I first heard Kevin Welch years ago when I was still writing for the Santa Cruz Sentinel, and I interviewed Karen Kane for an article on the songwriting collective, The Dead Reckoners. Karen Kane, Kevin Welch, Tammy Rogers, Mike Henderson, um, Harry Stinson were all part of that. We saw them at the Strawberry Music Festival, and then they played locally at a series that K-Pig called The Fat Fries back in the um, mid-90s, late-80s. They were great. And they, I interviewed Karen Kane. I met Kevin Walsh. And uh, Kevin Walsh um, and Karen Kane continued to tour after he and the, the Reckoners, not really part of ways, they did a couple of records and they're still playing, but as a collective, they stopped recording as the Dead Reckoners. So I, we saw Karen Kane and Kevin Walsh and Fats Kaplan, the multi-instrumentalist, play several times, mainly at Strawberry. And um, these days, Kevin Welch is touring with his son. And I caught up with him recently at a house concert in Gilroy, California, and we got to talk about the Dead Reckoners and um, his background in Nashville. He's toured the world, 
And his, one of his early albums was called Western Beat. And uh, if you listen to this this show, you know that uh, what I do and a lot of people I talk to are in the Americana genre, which is not quite folk, not quite commercial country, not quite rock and roll, a lot of story-based songs, kind of in the middle of all that. Kevin Welch was their way at the beginning when people were trying to figure out what to call this kind of music. And one of the terms that was tossed around was Western Beat. He was there at the forefront, the epicenter of that kind of labeling of that genre. I didn't realize he was actually right there in the center of it. So we'll talk about that on this interview. We'll talk about um, kind of what he's up to. And these days he's also doing these songwriting retreats at his ranch in Texas, which I really need to get to. They sound like they're great fun and very inspiring. Um, So a a lot of great stuff coming up. I'm going to let you hear a couple of things off his latest record. A Patch of Blue Sky. Let's listen to the opening track, Come a Rain, and The Great Emancipation. Then we'll talk with Kevin Welch, and then I'm going to conclude this episode this of Songs of Stories with a song that I just absolutely adore by him called A Prayer Like Any Other. Let's hear Come a Rain and The Great Emancipation. We'll talk to Kevin. And while you're listening, if you have a computer in front of you or a phone, then you can actually multitask on the phone. I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, go to kevinwelch.com and learn all about his his history. His, his bio is really fun to read. And look at his um, Texas Songwriter Retreats. There's a whole page for that. And you can also find out more about Kevin Welch or me by going to michaelgather.com. It's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com. And there's links to this podcast and Kevin Welch and the usual kind of things you'll find on my website. So a, a great songwriter, one of the best. Let's listen to Kevin Welch. Here we go. Jesus was a pagan, Woody was a punk Gandhi was a soldier, Hendrix was a monk Leonardo was an alien, Plato was a scream Vincent was a flower child and Elvis Sour was a samurai, Achilles was a gimp. Django was a miracle, Rasputin was a pimp. Piaf was a siren, Callis was the sea. Martin was a king on earth, and all his.
was a joker, Kafka was a spook. Rumi was a homie, Bukowski was a duke. Fellini was a scientist, Dante was a thug. times here, hard times over yonder, don't the stars shine pretty, my love? Blood runs deep, souls run deeper, they rise as high as heaven above. My father, he died of what was still not certain where they said that he felt no pain but my poor mother she's still hurting 
my wife, she stands by me Though I know so many times I've let her down She knows the kind of man I want to be And she knows that I'd be lost without her now Hard times here, hard times over yonder the stars shine pretty, my love. Blood runs deep, souls run deeper. They rise as high as heaven above. But I wonder. About the meaning of it all And I wonder Will the crazy people win And what'll happen When I refuse to crawl Will they stand aside And let a brother in Hard times here Hard times over yonder Don't the stars shine pretty runs deep, souls run deeper, they rise as high as heaven To me, it's all the same I need no explanation Come the sun or come the rain Come the great emancipation talking on the way between buildings but we saw I think one of our very first strawberries we went to was when the Dead Reckoners played and we were like holy crap <laughs> became instant lifelong fans and that was a fun band man yeah we, we, we had a lot of fun roaming around a band the full of ringers you know and then you... yeah still you know I've been 
out of the Dead Reckoners, then uh, Kieran, Kane, and I mm-hmm. decided we'd go play uh, now and then, just the two of us, just swapping songs very yeah. casually, you know. Yeah. And then we enjoyed that so much that we kind of we kind of kept doing it, and then we pulled uh, Fats, who, play, who kind of plays everything and kind of fills mm-hmm. in all the all the spaces. Yeah. Yeah, and Fatty was a Dead Reckoner as right. well. So. Right. So the three of us then, we, we started making records and so forth, and then we brought in Kieran's son, Lucas, to play percussion with us. And uh, So we made three records, and then we just kind of scattered. Uh-huh. And we we get back together uh, annually at the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass. Oh, okay, that's when we play together, yeah. That's our annual reunion show. Mm-hmm. It's almost as if we just walk on stage and go, hey, man, how you doing? And Yeah, well, it's like when you have friends you've played with that long, the chemistry's there, and you don't mm-hmm. really need to even rehearse sometimes if it's right. things you've played before. And Right. We'll discuss, you know, before, you know, we'll get an idea of what songs each one of us uh-huh. are thinking about doing. Yeah. And that's about it. Yeah. If there's something new that one of us is going to bring in, uh, then we'll do something about that. You yeah, know, we'll make, we'll see to it that the other guys at least hear it. Right, right. And when you play with people at a certain level, you can kind of just sort of give them a track or the or a chart, and usually it's kind of all you need to kind of get by sometimes. Yeah, and you know a lot of the stuff that that I write, and for that matter that Kieran writes, they're just so boneheaded, simple that you, know, <laughs> you don't you don't even write to say anything. You just start playing it. Right, right. Um, yeah, we don't. Well, there's have... an elegance and simple too. There's a <laughs> or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't underestimate. I wouldn't underpraise it. Um, anything you do. Um, I, I was I was reading some of the info on your site. I like the fact that when you said you when you played with Karen, you was it was two two mics, two guitars, and a bottle of Jameson or Bushmills. And that was kind of the evening. It was, yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, kind of we yeah we sort of stretched that thing out just about as far as. You yeah. need to. Yeah. Um, but we, uh, we definitely, it was, you know, just like boys' night out, you know. Yeah, and it was great because you guys are obviously good friends, great songwriters, and the chemistry's there. And it's, we, I think we saw you, at, 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 the last time you were in that incarnation was at a strawberry, I think. Might have been, yeah. Um, I was joking with my wife, really, because it was a few years back, and there was one strawberry where I had this, this mammoth, like, sore throat cold for the entire weekend, kind of stayed in the camper the whole weekend. And mm. Sunday morning, I said, can we go? And she said... Kevin Walsh is playing tonight, <laughs> mm. so we stuck it out, and of course it was worth it. But uh, do you know what I actually remember that? Yeah, I think it was one. a rainy, one of those rainy spring yeah. weekends. Too. Because I remember Del McCrory and and the uh-huh. boys were were playing. Yeah, and we were on the Sunday, and so it was Del. Yeah, and uh, and I always loved to to run into those guys. They're just amazing. They truly are, yeah. and very funny. Yeah. My friend always says Del McCurry has the finest hair in bluegrass. <laughs> yeah, you know what? He's he's got a coif. He really does. He does. It's very Boy, well done. That guy can really sing. He can, and a great he's a, just a great um, rhythm guitar player. I think he's sort of under underrated sometimes because you yeah. the band that, that that surrounds him is so good. You kind of forget that someone's kind of helping to hold that rhythm down. Yeah, they are. They are just almost just freaks. Yeah. Um, uh, they cut a song of mine a long time ago called True Love Never Dies. And I was so honored. Wow. Just, yeah. Yeah. Love those guys. Nice. So I was going to say, I didn't realize that you were originally a native California, then kind of landed in Oklahoma, spent some time in Nashville. Well, I, I you should... You moved around a lot, I think, as a kid. Yeah, I should probably clarify that. My 
mom and dad were travelers mm -hmm. due to my dad's work. He worked uh, on kind of high-tech aircraft and so forth as a civilian, but mm -hmm. he worked for the military, okay. various branches of the military. And so that involved picking up and moving to an another base or another fleet of aircraft. Mm -hmm. Oftentimes, you know, like would be in some place a month and then move to the mm -hmm. next place. Might be two months, might be four. One time we we were someplace for a year, and that was in Indiana, as I recall. Wow. But usually it was every couple of months. Mm -hmm. So we happened to be in California when my mom gave oh, okay. birth to me. And he was uh, kind of in route doing this kind of thing he did. Pretty and, much, yeah. yeah. And then I think I was eight months old by the time um, he was transferred, and, mm -hmm. and we got moving, and we kept moving. Until, and I mean really kept moving, until yeah. I was seven, at which point uh, he was sort of um, promoted into the, the desk job okay. at headquarters, which happened to be in Oklahoma that's City. That's where you ended up, okay. Yeah. So did most of my growing up there, but about, well, I was only, I only sat still for about 10 years. Um, didn't go to very much college. I, I wanted to, actually, and I was into it, but I joined a bluegrass band, and I... Although I was a terrible bluegrass guitar player, I <laughs> um, just kind of took off, you know, mm -hmm. and, and hit the road and stayed out on the road for about five years until I was pretty burnt out. Right. And uh, then... Um, That's a lot of work living like that and traveling. Well, it is, yeah. yeah. I mean, it's definitely a, a lifestyle, particularly at that level. You know, I mean, we couldn't afford, you know, motel rooms, mm -hmm. let alone hotel rooms. So was it couch surfing and cars? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, a lot of couch surfing, and but we had a, a hell of a lot of fun. We we learned a lot, and um, the idea of going to. I was trying to decide if I was going to move to Austin, or to Nashville, mm -hmm. and there happened to be a potentially pretty good publishing deal waiting for me mm -hmm. in Nashville. Though I was just young and, and dumb, and I. I really didn't know that much about writing songs, uh -huh. although I thought I did. Right. Um, but they they were really kind and uh, just kind of lit me and my buddy Pat in the doors, and we were immediately in the presence of, you know, just class, um, legendary uh, old songwriters mm -hmm. who were very generous and uh, great teachers. Yeah, and that was a, that was a really that was a good school. That's where I met Kieran. Oh, okay, Kieran he moved Kane. there. Yeah. I guess he got there right after we did. And uh, yeah, so that was I think seventeen years I was at that publishing company. That's and a long time. Kind of yeah. banged around. At some point, I started making records of, mm -hmm. of my own. And, was it Steve Arillo said you got to make a record? I think that was one of the quotes on your side. Yeah, kind of. Like at the same time, Steve and my friend Don Schlitz and a couple other of my kind of running buddies just just kind of came to me and said, you know, you should probably do this because yeah. it was that just that there was only a few minutes in Nashville, like when Steve was making Guitar Town and mm -hmm. um, you know Lyle showed up, okay, and uh, Nancy Griffith showed up and. The O'Kanes were happening. Right. Karen's band, Karen's which band, was right, right. Um, really fantastic, crazy ass band. So there was just a minute or two there where it was really 
all the doors and windows were wide open. And, uh, like the right things lined up with the right people at the right time. Not just for me, but for the town. Yeah, for, yeah, for, for that, for that, mm-hmm. for those people, those those players. It was just for a moment the the guard was down and the, mm-hmm. the gates were open and um, radio lost control for a minute. Got it. And. Um, it you know like I said it didn't it didn't last long and I was slow enough so that I mean I I took my my friend's advice and I went and got a a deal on Warner Brothers mm-hmm. and uh, but I realized um, after about the first six months of fooling around and I'd actually cut about a half a record and I realized that what was happening was I was just in the studio with you know a bunch of great players, um, but what I was recording was sort of just Nashville sounding stuff. Hmm. And is so, that because of the players, or because of where you were at, or just because you were new? Yeah, I was new. I, I had never really fronted a band to speak of. I'd uh-huh. been in bands all right. my life, but I was always the guitar player, utility guy, or something. Yeah. yeah. And uh, not a particularly good singer, and uh, and not terribly motivated uh, for okay. it because I really was mostly just interested in in songwriting. Right. But, right. but anyway, I just didn't have my own deal figured out. I didn't have my own. So I went to Warner's and I asked them for a hiatus, and uh, we threw away everything that we had recorded so far, and I I put my band together, mm-hmm. which. Had a, actually, the, it was sort of the early version of the Dead Record. I was wondering who was it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. a lot of those guys played uh, for a year with them. Every well, I don't know Monday or Tuesday or something. So you put a lot of time with the same players with the same songs. Yeah, yeah. We played. I think it was once a week, and and it was at the Bluebird normally. Mm-hmm. And that was back when you could still get really loud and smoke and all you know raise hell in the Bluebird. <laughs> And uh, and over time, uh, it began to sound like a band. Right. And it started. To, I started to get a handle on what it was I, I wanted to do. That makes sense. Then we went back in and and you know knocked it out. But by then, uh, that that brief little moment had that passed. little window had closed. Yeah. And so I, I just I just missed kind of. <laughs> Kind of slipping it's a under. good record, though. That first it's a, record. Yeah, it's a, it's a good record. It was, you know, great, great players. And yeah. that was um, the one record that um, someone else produced. And I definitely needed help. Sure. Uh, Paul Worley um, and Ed C. produced that. Um, but the second record, again, Warners were very kind uh, to me. And um, we told them that Harry and I, Harry Stinson, mm-hmm. and I wanted to produced the next record and they just turned us loose. Wow. And we made uh, we made Western Beat, which I still like. I still like that record. And uh, after that we uh, that's when we decided a whole bunch of us had come off of our major label deals and mm-hmm. we were all just sitting around trying to decide. It used to be that like if if you left Warner's then you'd go over and maybe scare up a deal at RCA mm-hmm. or or uh, capital or what have you. You could rotate around a little bit. Yeah. And um, so we were all, all of us individually were trying to decide if that's what we were going to 
doing, we just decided, you know, let's just throw them together. And uh, all the major labels would hire uh, indie uh, uh, radio promotion and indie publicists and so forth to augment those uh, people that they had on staff. Mm-hmm. So we thought, well, why don't we just hire the indie promo guy? And just and like then, bypass the... Mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah. The only thing missing really was money. We didn't have any resources. Money. Yeah. Yeah. So, but around town, people kind of started. There was a thing known as the Dead Reckoning deal, which mm-hmm. was. Is that where that came from? Yeah, yeah. It was. These guys don't have any money, but we want to help them. Okay. And, uh, and, and they really did. Nobody else wanted to do what we were doing. They all thought we were a little bit nuts. Right. But. I think sort of vicariously, people enjoyed. I'll bet supporting. Like I'm that. not like I don't. I, I'm really afraid to try this, but let's see how it works for them. And yeah, God bless them and God willing, mm-hmm. it'll work out. And we had a, a really nice run. Uh, you know, we, we never blew up or anything. Uh, and we really enjoyed it. <laughs> well, good. Yeah, it was. Yeah, the the, the records were great. Um, and you know, we bought all the solo records after. As soon as we saw mm-hmm. you guys at Strawberry, it was mm-hmm. like, it was really cool. It's good stuff. I think that I think that it served to tell people like you can do this. I mean if we can do this. I was going to say was it was you this, could do it. Cuz now everything is do it yourself and, mm. and and release was this sort of a precursor to that a little bit? It was in 1995 or or thereabouts yeah. and um it was about 6 months after we got together that uh, we got the phone call saying that uh, there was going to be a new genre called Americana. I was going to say this just predates Americana as an official label. By months, yeah, only by months. And uh, but we were invited to go to uh, New Orleans for a big kind of conference where mm-hmm. all these, um, all these uh, seriously independently minded radio people that were, came in from all over the country. Mm-hmm. And we all got in a big room, and the question yeah. was, all right, what is Americana? Wow. And it was a really very funny conversation, because, you know, there were some some people who firmly believed that Americana should be retro uh, country. Like old, like old school country, yeah. yeah. Some people thought it was bluegrass, some thought it was folk, some thought it was alt country. Yeah, and that's when labels like, like yeah, alt country was, and yeah, y'all, there was a, a bunch of labels kind of mm-hmm. being tossed around before they all settled on Americana. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. That's where Western Beat came from. That was an attempt uh, from um, uh, Joe Ely and uh, Jimmy Dale, Gilmore and Butch Hancock and Waterdale and myself. Um, we were playing at the uh, Montreux Jazz Festival, all of us. On one show, sharing a band, and uh, the promoter did not want to introduce us as uh, country oh, okay. because it had a poor experience a few years prior mm. to that bringing actual mainstream country right. people. There was a stigma with it because it was sort of national mainstream. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, at the suggestion of uh, the cohort of mine, uh, a Warner Brothers exec and one of my best buddies, a guy named Bob Saperiti. Saparidi's the one who said, why don't you call it Western Beat? And this is a longer story, and yeah. I think a more interesting story than the one I'm telling right now, but we don't really probably have time to go into it. <laughs> but we, um, I had remembered that Saparidi had had that that name. In, it's catchy. 
So I, I, I threw it in the, in the pot and everybody agreed on it. And yeah. we pretended like, well, back home, everybody calls us Western okay. Beat. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, all the, the entire press corps from uh, all over Europe were there. And mm-hmm. So it was just a game and it was really funny. But it was also an attempt. And it was a hell of a lineup, too, for, the, for all you playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was an attempt to find another thing to call it. Yeah. And it didn't quite catch on. So... A few years later, when these guys, on their own, right. uh, radio promoters, in fact, decided, let's start a new genre, let's call it Americana. Everybody just went, okay, whatever. Yeah, fine, yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah. Um, the only other person who was doing that before us in Nashville that, that we're aware of was Prime. Mm-hmm. Um, John and his manager Albanetta uh-huh. uh, had Old Boy Records, and John still has Old Boy Records, great label. But that was that was really mostly for John, right? right. They 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 did a couple other things now and then with with other people, but it was mostly for John, and he had Al to run it. We didn't really have anybody mm-hmm. uh, to run it. When we had a guy that uh, when it was you know kind of took over our office work, and he. He's, he worked madly and ultimately in vain to try to keep <laughs> us above water. But, yeah, we had a lot of fun. And we're still having fun. We're just doing different stuff. Yeah, now you and your son are playing together. Yes. Yeah. Uh, a couple of years ago, we decided, um, let's just, let's really focus on this for a little while mm-hmm. and see what happens. And so we went to Europe and we did about 30 nights in a row. And that's how you get that's how you get it together. Yeah, you put the time in and play yeah. and play and play. Yeah, get yeah you get a lot of stage time of uh, under your belt, and so we started uh, a record on him in Copenhagen, which he is now getting ready to get back in and begin finishing. Nice. Um, and it's been nice. I've had a chance to. Uh, you know, take them around the world and show them a lot of my favorite places. Oh, fun. Um, I was talking to him earlier before you came out, and he said, yeah, I just decided I like hanging out with my dad, so I fired my band, and we hang out together. Yeah. It's, it's great. Yeah. Probably just really special for both of you for a bunch of different reasons. True, yeah. Yeah, yeah it really is. Yeah. And uh, on a good night, it's it's pretty good. Yeah, I, th- I think tonight's going to be a good night. You're, you're going to like this room. It's a pretty special group of people. Yeah. Yeah, I want to let you give you a t- chance to stretch your guitar soon, but I wanted to see, ask if you can talk about your guitar camps a little bit. Mm, yeah, those look really fun and very rewarding. Yeah, you know what? They're they have really done some good for some people. Yeah, and for myself as well. They're actually songwriting uh, right, camps, right, right. And I do most of them at my place in uh, Wimberley, Texas, which is right outside of Austin. Um, but we do some, you know, I've, I've done them in New Zealand and Australia and Ireland and around the United States Mm -hmm. and Canada. And, um, it's a weird thing to talk about. Songwriting is a weird thing to talk about. And you can't really, you can't tell somebody, well, this is right or this is wrong. It's very subjective. Totally. But there are some things that you can talk about that helps enable somebody to figure out if they're doing what they 
think they're doing. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I've just always I've always liked talking about like when I was a staff writer. You know, I always enjoyed somebody would come in with a killer song, and I would wanted to ask them to tell them that. Like, how did you do? Where did this? that come from? Yeah. And how, what was your approach? Yeah. And I've just probably more so than when somebody asks, "What comes first, music or lyrics?" Yeah, one of them probably comes first. <laughs> yeah, it depends. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. right. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I said for years that that lyrics came first, and I finally realized actually that's not for me. That is. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I finally realized actually that's not true. Uh, sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. And that's the whole deal with songwriting. Whatever you're talking about, sometimes it is, and sometimes it isn't. I, lo- I love how just nebulous though. I'll the, I'll talk to or listen to, like really like songwriters I totally just really worship, and the response is, I don't know how I do it. Sometimes I just get a song. Yeah, like, it's really kind of yeah. nebulous, which is kind of, kind of the magic behind it too. And you know, it is. It's there's craft involved. Sure. Uh, a lot of times, sometimes you really have to rely on. The craft side of it to, mm-hmm. to bring it home, or to kind of nudge it along a little bit. Sometimes mm-hmm. if you get stuck, um, every now and then one of them will just show up and you just copy it down, and those are really wonderful. Those are fun. I wish yeah. that would happen a lot more often. <laughs> Don't we all? Uh, but yeah, it's a real combination of art and, and and craft, and I think the craft part is really really important. Yeah, I think that you talk to. You know, if you really get somebody to to cop to what it's like for them when they're when they're writing, almost everybody I think would have to admit that they're really damn good mechanics as well as artists. That's the craft behind it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, knowing um, what to cut, knowing what to move around, mm-hmm. and having getting getting the material to work with initially is sort of. That's kind of the mystery sometimes, and that's when you end up you're confronting actually just yourself, not mm-hmm. not not how good you are or how uh, diligent you are or how smart you are, or any of those kinds of things. At the at the end of it, what's going down in this song is you, so it's you. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting confrontation. Um, you have to really. You are yourself, and, and the only time you're going to write a really good song is when you are being yourself and you're you're using your own voice. You yeah, know? that's really good advice too. Um, I think so. Would, yeah. Anyway, that's that's what that's what I've been doing with those. I've been doing them now for about five years. Nice. And I'm I I really like it. I'm learning a lot, and it's like I said, it's a weird thing to talk about, and it took me a while to figure out. A way to talk about these things. Yeah, I think if you if you teach, you tend to learn what you're teaching about a little in a little different perspective mm-hmm. too. So maybe that there's that there's that for you too. I was a little bit afraid that it might become a little too analytical and it might hurt my own writing. And it hasn't. I don't think so. Yeah, um, you're still doing the workshop, so I am. Yeah. yeah, I've got a couple coming up in the fall. I think one in September and one in November. And then next year, I've been asked to design a two-week program for the Banff Center up in Alberta. Oh, nice. Which is a really amazing, really, truly an amazing facility wow. up there. So I'm working on that, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring some, some helpers with me. Nice. Yeah. Nice. 
I'll link all that on the on the podcast notes. I hear your crowd driving in, and you've got guitar strings to stretch, so okay. I'm going to let you go. But I really appreciate the time. Hey, you too, man. Thanks yeah, a lot. Thanks. Once again, Kevin Welch talking about songwriting, playing with the Dead Reckoners and Karen Kane, um, and the start of the Americana genre, which was almost called Western Beat, and it kind of was for a moment in time there. And a lot of um, interesting conversation about his songwriting retreats in Texas. So whether you're a songwriter or an aspiring songwriter, they seem very worthwhile. I need to get myself to Texas for a whole bunch of reasons. You can find all about Kevin at kevinwelch.com. Coming up next on Songs and Stories, my friend Martha Groves Perry has been a... We've been pals for years, but she just finished her first EP. She has a release concert in San Jose in November, and we're trying to figure out how to get a podcast tucked away in place before that. So check. It'll, it'll be up here soon. Also, my pal Nancy Cassidy has a great new album called Heart of a Song. I interviewed her, in her at her home in Idaho recently. I was in Idaho. We sat in a little shed and talked about the record, and it was great stuff. And actually, all my amazing local friends have new records out, so there's a bunch of stuff in the mental queue. I just got to get the recorder in hand and work out some time. So a lot of good stuff coming up. So whether you heard this on uh, KC Cafe Radio or Grateful Dread Radio Nashville, or you downloaded it from iTunes or the Stitcher app, or you found it on michaelgaither.com, Twitter, Facebook, somewhere up there on the interwebs, thanks for listening. Check out these artists, download their music, support them. They're doing cool stuff. And for, for me, again, taking the time to make it this far into a podcast, I really appreciate your time. I'm Michael Gaither. You can find me at M-I-C-H-A-E-L-G-A-I-T-H-E-R.com, michaelgaither.com. Thank you so much for listening. We'll talk to you next time on Songs and Stories. And before we leave, I almost forgot, I want to close with another Kevin Walsh song. This is called A Prayer Like Any Other, and it's one of the most beautiful songs I've ever heard in my entire life. So I'm going to leave you with that. It's an, off a record he did with um, Karen King called you Can't, you Can't Save Everybody. So here is Kevin Welch, backed up by Fats Kaplan and Karen Kane, singing A Prayer Like Any Other. Thank you again for listening. Way past midnight, everyone's asleep outside the window. It's quiet on the street, and my bags are packed. My guitar, too. Tax is coming, there's nothing I can do. Oh Lord, keep you around, my friend. Just feel better knowing you're watching them. I got to roll, on, take a little spin while I'm gone. Keep you around, my friends. Gotta get home The only way I know The long old road I stay
steady and slow One of these days I'll come back If the creek don't rise And stuff like that Oh Lord Keep your eye on this place Keep it warm And keep it safe No, I depend on your saving grace So while I'm gone, keep your eye on this place This is just a prayer Like any other It's nothing more And it's nothing less Just a prayer Like any other One more time Could you just say yes Oh Lord Keep your eye on me You know how foolish and reckless I can be Light up my way so I can see Oh Lord, keep your eye on me Oh Lord, keep your eye on my friends Oh Lord, keep your eye on this place